Welcome to the Musquamacan Beach Podcast, a podcast spotlighting the businesses, newsmakers, events, and memories of Rhode Island's historic Musquamacan Beach. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the first episode of the Musquamacan Beach Podcast. I am Ben Barber. I'm one of the producers of the show. And today, for the very first episode, we're going to give you an overview. And I am sitting down and talking to Caswell Cook, the executive director of the Musquamacan Business Association and uh, the other producer of this podcast. Well, how are you doing? Good. How are you? I'm great. I'm excited to be uh, I'm excited to be doing podcasts finally, you know. We've done all the other mediums and and you said we need podcasts. Yeah. Well, you did uh you did one of our shows a few years ago to talk about Springfest and your um you're always on the radio around sure. here uh promoting um the shows and you actually used to host your own show um on uh well, it was a public access show, but you had yeah, you had insane guests. Yeah, we used to do a show called the Caswell Cook Show. No stretch there, and uh, we started in 1995 when I was 21. And uh, over the years, I think we did the show. I think the last episode I did was probably 2012, and because you know kids and stuff, and real life happens. But uh, we've had everybody on the show from the Beach Boys to the Who to. Uh, uh, Conan O'Brien, um, a lot of politicians from Bob Dole to former Vice President Dan Quayle, Jeb Bush, uh, Teddy Kennedy. Um, we've had uh, people like Peter Jennings from the News who passed away. We've had uh, one of my favorites, Dan Rather, from CBS Evening News formerly. And um, just a lot of cool guests. I just I used to use it as a way to get backstage to concerts. <laughs> Yeah, and and to meet people that I always thought were cool, and and it kind of that started before the Musquamacan Business Association. But when we started the MBA in two thousand, that sort of theme of bringing some of these these famous or formerly famous people to Musquamacan has been a reoccurring theme in the last eighteen years that I've been doing the job as far as bringing some talent to our beach. So it kind of like mixed into each other as the years went on. So uh, that obviously makes me think of the festivals, so Spring Fest and Fall Fest, which is the yeah. two yearly festivals, and uh, we'll get into that in a little bit. Um, it, so it's January right now when we're recording this first episode. Nice and cold. And Yeah, and uh, you, you said when we walked into the house that uh, you always feel better in the summer. I do. Um, <laughs> but uh, just because it's not the summer doesn't mean that things aren't going on in Musquamacate. So, uh, coming up in a few weeks, we have the Luau. Yeah. And um, can you tell me a little bit more about that? Yeah. I, I Well, I mean, the winter time is when we plan everything. So, you know, after we get done in October with our final event, which is our Guy Fawkes Bonfire Night um, in October, um, we take a few weeks and breathe. And then we have to immediately start planning for the summer. So we have like 40-something drive-in movies and we have concerts on the beach, and we have festivals and fireworks and all kinds of stuff and car shows and magic shows, and, and they don't just happen by themselves. And so we have to start in like November coming up with our magazines and maps and selling advertising, getting sponsorships. So the winter is when we actually work, and the summer we kind of have to just do. Like we do the events and we ride it out and just like hold on and go. Um, 
and you know selling things like you know selling space in our tourist center and all that stuff that we do in the winter time so but our first our first big event for the season is uh, always the first uh Friday night in February every year for over a dozen years and we have this huge luau and you know there's so many events that go on in our town that are fundraisers and they're all worthy causes and so we just wanted to be just have an event where we forget about the speeches and the rubber chicken dinner um, and just have a party. And that's why I think for a dozen years it's worked. We have a band, we have a silent auction, we have a raffle, and we have food from everywhere, um, whether it's uh, you know some new restaurants in town, some, some old favorites. They all donate a dish, and so you can go in, and for like 20 bucks or 25 at the door, that's why people should get their tickets in advance, uh, it's like all you can eat, all the music you want, and we always get at least 250 people at the Venice Ballroom, which um, Venice uh, Restaurant on Shore Road is is actually in Musquamica. It's in the Musquamica Fire District, and it's one of the few places that's open year-round. So we like to showcase the fact that, you know, yes, it's wintertime, and yes, people aren't hanging out on the beach, um, but there's still businesses open uh, in the beach area, and Venice and Winnipeg Inn are, are two of those. So you know that's our first event of the year and that's that's our major fundraiser is is doing the is doing that and then uh and then a couple months later we move into you know that we start the season in may um so spotlighting local businesses like uh venice is kind of what this show is going to be all about so uh you're not going to be on every episode. It's not going to be the two of us talking. What? Yeah, sorry. Uh, that, that was actually your call. Um, but uh, so we're going to get um, business owners and people who work at the businesses for a long time, and, or who have worked at the businesses for a long time. Uh, excuse my English. And um, uh, people that have memories of Mesquamakit. Yes. And. Uh, you know, um, the the people who clean up the beach for everybody. Right. Um, so uh, that's kind of the purpose of the show is to share some some of the fun stuff that happens, some of the real stuff that happens in the spotlight, uh, all of the businesses, because the area is way more than just that state beach. Right. Yeah, I think that's that's something that I've always tried to get out there. A lot of folks that uh, hear the word Musquamacit, and, and, and we're famous, our beach is famous, especially in Connecticut, Massachusetts, New York. Um, not so much in Rhode Island, I wish it was. <laughs> <laughs> Rhode Islanders don't come here for some reason, we want them to, but uh, uh, on, on average I mean. But uh, Hartford, Springfield, those areas, huge, New Haven. Um, but a lot of people that come here, come down Route 78, Winnipeg Road, and they almost have like the horse blinders on, and they're going right for that State Beach parking lot, and they think Musquamacit is the State Beach parking lot. That's To them, the pavilion, that is what they call Musquamacit. And when we try to get out with the business association is that Musquamacit has hundreds of homes, 50 businesses, over 10 different places for, public pe- for the public to park, and so when people say Musquamica Beach, do they mean the Pleasant View, the Andrea, Patty's, the Windjammer, you know, uh, the Dunes Park? Well, you know, it, it's, it's a whole strip, the, the amusements, the water slides. And I remember years ago, I knew we had work to do when we first started Facebook. And our Facebook presence now is over 100,000, which is amazing. And uh, it's the largest 
Facebook presence of any destination in the state of Rhode Island. In fact, it's even larger than the state of Rhode Island's own Facebook page. <laughs> but I remember someone posted years ago, I, I posted something about WaterWiz, which is the place where the, we have the water slides. Um, and this guy very innocently said, well, you know, I've been going to Musquamacate for 20 years. There's no water slides in Musquamacate. <laughs> and I said, okay. And so my friend George Tattersall, who's going to be one of the guests, former president of the NBA, he said, let's, let's go to the State Beach, Caswell. I said, okay. So we went to the State Beach one day. Busy day, full, full you know, 2,700 cars parked. We go up on the pavilion. He goes, okay, you're a mom. You're here with your two kids. Look to the left. What do you see? Well, a half a mile down, I see some gray buildings. Okay, look to the right. What do you see? Well, a half a mile down, I see some gray buildings. He's like, you, you, you're going to grab your kids and walk down there? I don't even know what's down there. It just looks like some houses. And so all these people that come to the state beach, they might be like, I don't really necessarily want to explore because I don't know what it is. I got my kids with me. I know I can park here. So our job is the NBA. Nothing against the state. We work with them. We do our festivals there. But there's way more to Musquamacate than the state beach. If you park at the Andrea, you basically get all your money back in coupons to buy food and drink inside. People don't know that. You know, there's a lot of different places at the beach that you can go. I mean, think about parking at the Windjammer for the day. And then you not only have the beach, but you have all the rides and you have the restaurant. You know, so there's just there's so many different things. If you want to sort of get away from the big crowds, at the other end of the beach down by the breachway is the Dunes Park family beach. A um, little more expensive to park there, but you're going to have it's just going to be a more relaxed atmosphere. So it's kind of like whatever you want. Do you want you want to go to Patty's and party? Do you want to go to the Dunes and relax? You know, what you know, where do you want to go? And uh, I'm sure I'm forgetting parking lots and people will get angry, but we did a video last year that we put on YouTube and Facebook, Twitter, Instagram about parking at the beach when the you know, the traffic sometimes backs way up. And it's because everybody's in line to get into that state beach parking lot. And if they just went past it and parked at another lot, we could get the traffic dispersed quicker. So we made a video uh, about parking at the beach, and it went nuts. It went 700,000 views. So we're, we're doing it, you know, through, through what you're creating here with this podcast. We're, we're explaining Musquamacate a little bit better to the people that have been coming here for years. And I think that's part of the, part of the reason we're doing the show is to talk about the beach. But some of these guests that, that you mentioned, they're going to be great. Um, Chris Walsh was, uh, was a DJ. Uh, he and Mike Murray were DJs at a club that's gone now called the Atlantis, the party paradise by the sea. And uh, back in the 80s when the place was hopping, Chris was like the master mixer. And he went on to leave because of that and got a job at Kiss FM in Hartford, which is still going strong. And then MTV hired him in the 90s to put together compilation albums called MTV Party to Go, Volume 1, 2, 3, kind of like those now CDs they have now. Um, And it sold so many copies that he got to become a voting member of the Grammys. Wow. His, His record sold millions. That's awesome. Of course, he didn't get paid millions, but yeah. but he he got to mix them. When Motown had their twenty fifth anniversary, he did the Motown twenty five remix. So oh, wow. like this is like, and it be, he started in Musquamacate. Yeah, um, and uh, Room Full of Blues started in Musquamacate. So I hope we can get Al Copley or some one of the Roomful guys. They'll tell you they started in Musquamacate. Another one that's coming up that we hope to get on the show, John Cafferty, you know, Beaver Brown Band. He always will say, started in Musquamacate. That's where we got our break in Musquamacate Beach. In fact, he's playing our Spring Fest. Um, so these are cool, you know, 
stories about people that sort of started uh, or got their break playing at the beach. There's a band called Boston that was popular in the 70s (laughs) and in the 80s. Um, And there's they had songs like More Than a Feeling and um, Don't Look Back. But there's a there's a line in one of the songs where he's, where he's talking about the bands talk about playing for a week in Rhode Island. Man came to the stage one night, and it's something about you know you guys are out of sight. Well, well, they were talking about Jimmy Armanakis when they played at the at the um, at the Rec. I mean, so Boston, <laughs> the band that yeah. sold millions of records, played at the Rec, and like they they wrote about it in a song about playing for a week in Rhode Island, and and this guy from Westerly, you know, who's gone now, but. He came up to him and said, "Man, you guys are out of sight. You know, you got to play some more." Whatever. But I mean, those are the kind of cool stories, you know, uh, over the years of some of these people that have come to our town or got their break in our town, and uh, that story's got to get out there. I think this is a way to do it. Um, that's awesome. So let's. Uh, I didn't. I see the great thing about um, producing this show for me is I don't know most of these stories. So um, as as a listener to the show myself, I'm going to be like fascinated by all of this which is awesome uh and makes producing any show really interesting when you're finding out yourself about all of this rich history and um that's that's crazy that's awesome that that boston has a song um i know that uh fish has a song that's insanely popular about the next fire district over yeah yeah we could put a groove um that's that's crazy. Uh, this area, just the, I mean... We'll skip the Slut and Musquamacate song by Vinnie Penn from Connecticut. <laughs> well, I used to play it at the Andrea, but people wouldn't like that. I'm too old now to, to play a song like that. But there's all kinds of songs written about the beach, folks. Yeah, that's uh, <laughs> that's crazy. Um, can we say that word on a podcast? We can say whatever we want, right? It's. I mean, you're the... I swear to God, there was a song called Slut and Musquamacate. We don't, we don't, we don't, uh, we don't go for that anymore. We, we're a family beach now. That's good. <laughs> um, so speaking of the family... I threw him off there, folks, and I probably threw you off, too. <laughs> so speaking of the uh, the family atmosphere, um, two huge events every year that we talked about a little bit yeah. uh, earlier, Spring Fest and Fall Fest, they kind of cap off, they start and, and end this the, the busy season. Is that... Would you, would you I would, classify that I would that totally agree. Yeah, two weeks before Memorial Day, two weeks after Labor Day. I mean... It's a couple of things. I mean, people kind of assume that the beach, like, just all of a sudden magically opens on Memorial Day. And then I think on Labor Day, they think, like, you, like, roll up the carpet and chain <laughs> chain the gate. Like, people all winter long, is the beach open? I'm like, yeah, I mean, there's no nobody puts a gate up and says you can't come into Westerly. So, but, but people have that in their head. So our goal was to break that cycle by having events in the off-season. So not only do we have Spring and Fall Fest, we have the Hartford Surf Town Half Marathon. Hartford Marathon Foundation puts that on with us. We do the Guy Fawkes Bonfire Night, which I'm sure we'll talk about at some point. Um, so we have other events that are pre- and post-season. But the way it came about was um, I had an idea to do a big music festival. I always wanted to you know, create a Woodstock or something. And I liked all these, you know, I'm 43, but I like all these people my parents like. So I'm like a Beatles freak, and, you know, I like all the stuff from the 60s and 70s. Um, many, many of the things I like are from before I was born. But, so I wanted to do a music festival, so I went out and raised like 70 grand, 
and we got this huge stage. And in July, we did in 2005, we did our first music festival, and it was Pete Best, who was the original drummer of the Beatles before he got kicked out in favor of Ringo. So that was kind of a cool, you know, Beatley connection. And then our headliner was Davy Jones from the Monkees, um, who you know, huge TV show, and unfortunately, Davy passed. Um, but I had met Davy through my TV show five years earlier, and he had come to Musquamic, had lunch at the Andrea, was on BLQ, came to Seafood Haven, all this stuff. So I said, well, Davey would be great. So we had Davey, and we had 10,000 people show up, and it was a great festival in July. And then we'd had bands like Jefferson Starship, Chad and Jeremy, Jan and Dean, Eric Burden and the Animals. We had uh, um, Justin Guarini, who was the runner-up to Kelly Clarkson from American Idol. We had just all these cool musicians um, over the years. And we did that for about five years, and it was huge. But my business owner said, Kaz, we already have 10,000 people here in July. Can you do something that brings yeah. them here when we need them? Yeah. So George Tattersall, our former president, who used to own Bayview Fun Park, and back in the day owned Mystic Fun Center in Carousel, uh, which is gone now. And he also worked for years at the Windjammer when it was a skating rink and things like that. He and Charles uh, Treffis, who owns the Windjammer, and I think Tom from Purple Ape, kind of said, to, they steered me in a different direction. They said, listen, let's bring in the amusements. Let's bring in vendors. Let's make this three days so you're not blowing it all in one night. And you do the music, Kaz. You, you, you do that part, but let's, let's stretch this out. And that's what we did. And so we had people like Rick Derringer and some other classic rock people over the years play. Last year we had Christopher Cross, who was a huge Grammy winner. Um, Sailing is his biggest hit. Um, and we just kind of morphed it into a three-day spring, three-day fall festival with 80 vendors, you know, twelve to 15,000 people coming through over the course of the three days. Uh, we do Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Um, this year it's May 11th, 12th, 13th, and then September it's two weeks after Labor Day. So yeah, I mean, Spring and Fall Fest, this will be its eighth year, which is crazy to think. So we started in 2010, 2010, and we do two a year. So when we get finished with this year, we'll have done 16 of these things. And they're like, you know, they're like $100,000 operations. You know, you're creating a little city. You're employing a ton of people. You got everybody involved. There's so much to do. There's so many things that have to be brought to the site. You got to work through the state of Rhode Island with the town of Westerly, um, Department of Environmental Management. And uh, it's it ain't easy, but it's a heck of a lot of fun. And I think Spring and Fall Fest have become like local traditions for people. Um, it's crazy to uh, when you come down. What is the road that you you talked about earlier? Winnipeg. The, the Winnipeg Road. When you come down Winnipeg Road. And you, especially at night, but anytime, and you see the lights and the Ferris wheel um, just yeah. on the beach in that that skyline that you know so well of the beach to your left when you're coming down. But when you see the the just this amusement park set up and 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 the big Ferris wheel, it's um like you you automatically get excited because you, you know do. that you know you're going down to the beach. You have the anticipation of going down to the beach, but then when you see that, um, it's it like it it never doesn't bring a smile to my face. Well, you know what it is. Um, there's two things that it makes me think of. One is George Tattersall, who always says, "You know, we want to create memories." So that seven, five, ten year old kid 
that comes to the festival, they're going to remember that their whole life. And I'm reminded of the Billy Joel song where he said, the good old days weren't always good and tomorrow ain't as bad as it seems. We are the memories. We're creating tomorrow's memories that in 30 years, if this stuff isn't around, they'll say, geez, you know, Musquamacate used to be so cool. used to have drive-in movies and car shows and, and these huge festivals. I mean, you know, hopefully they'll never go away. But, you know, 50 years from now, there could be some... 60-year-old guy sitting there going, geez, when I was 10, Musquamacut Beach was the place to be. And I'm happy that we've created that because for many years, the beach wasn't that. The beach was known as like a place for drinking and drugs and you know loud noises and, and bike rallies or something. Not, not that there's anything wrong with any of that, but that's kind of the, the, the locals looked at it negatively. And I think it's taken us close to 20 years to change that reputation around. And now what you're saying is the norm. Yeah, and uh, so the the family beach atmosphere um, also there's a it feels like tradition because of the things that you've implemented the classic car shows, the festivals, um, in particular the festivals and the drive-in movies. Um, if you're a kid now, you can enjoy that and love it, and it's the coolest thing in the world. But if you're an adult who has a fondness for when they were a kid, you know, the drive-in movies, um, the classic car shows, the bringing a kid to a festival in a cool place. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's all, it, it has a mix of, uh, cool now and nostalgia. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've never been a very original person. <laughs> um, I don't have a lot of original ideas of my own. What my job, I think, is is to find stuff that worked in the past and to bring it back. And to I'm a big nostalgia person. So I would have never been the guy that invented the drive-in, but I'm certainly the guy that can bring it back because it's cool. Um, and because, yeah, I think you're right. So I, so I keep saying my age. So I'm 43, and when I was a kid... I lived out on Route 1 where the drive-in was, which is now the golf course out across from Shelter Harbor. And uh, our house, actually, our backyard went up to the back of the screen. It was very cool living there as a kid. I was really little, but we went to some movies there, like in the early 80s. And then the place went out of business in, I don't know, 85, 86, 87. And we didn't have a drive-in for all those years in Westerly. And fast forward to maybe 2010, or 11, I forgot what year we started the drive-in, isn't that terrible? But my friend John (laughs) Gonzalez, who we call Gonzo, he said, why don't we do a film festival in Musquamacate? We were just batting around ideas one day. And I said, yeah, you know. And he goes, yeah, play some old films, you know. Yeah. And then he he was thinking, like, in the Windjammer, like, kind of set up a big screen. And then somehow that morphed. And I said, well, what about, you know, God, but you could do a drive-in. So back to George again, we had purchased these two sea land cargo containers, the big containers you put on ships to do cross, you know, transatlantic crossing with stuff. So we, uh, Outback Storage sold us these two containers and we needed the containers because we needed a place to put our golf cart for the road crew, the water lines, the signage, all the stuff from the festivals. We needed a storage. So containers are... You know, so someone came up with the idea, let's stack them and 
weld them together and then on the front we put a drive-in screen and i went out and got a projector and out of the back of my jeep with two dvd players <laughs> it's ghetto style but it works and um chris walsh uh who we spoke of he does the uh it's actually almost cooler than the movies he does the preview reel we we sit down and we'll find old commercials you know the old "I'd like to buy the world a Coke" commercial with everybody on the mountaintop, or something. You know, something retro. And then we have an opportunity for people to advertise on the screen. So we have like local commercials, whether it's like the car wash or you know cleats or someplace local. And so we have this cool hour of previews, and then we show whatever we show, Caddyshack or Grease or The Goonies or we just we play the retro movies. Jaws is the big one. Jaws just sells out every time, and um, for fifteen bucks a car. And you can put eight people in a truck. I don't care. It's just 15 bucks <laughs> yeah. across the board. 15 bucks a car. And instead of like $8 sodas, we have like $2 sodas. <laughs> and instead of $16 candy bars, you know, our candy bar is like a buck. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and we have this retro thing where you tune your radio in and you watch the movie. It isn't as big as most drive-in screens, but it's still pretty big. And it's still pretty cool. And um, this year we've expanded, so we do Friday nights from May through October, and then in July and August we add Thursdays, and this year we're adding Saturdays. So we're doing, I think, 42 movies in 2018. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah I was looking at the list the other day. Um, got a few new things in there. We threw in, like, Wonder Woman. We threw in Kong, Skull Island. We got, you know, like, uh, Rogue One. Yep. So there's some stuff from the last couple of years. But we, f- we probably are more heavy on the 70s and 80s. Yeah, there's a good mix. There's a mix. Like I said uh, before, just about Mesquamacate in general, there's a really good mix of current and nostalgia, um, which is awesome. So uh, that about does it for the first episode. Um, thank you very much, Caswell. Well, I hope people will find this interesting. Certainly the subsequent episodes will be more interesting than what I can come up with. <laughs> but we hope to have some really good guests for you each week, um, some famous guests, some locally famous guests, some people that are just part of the fabric of Musquamacate, the businesses that are the fabric that have been there for generations. And we hope to bring all these cool people to you uh, and really spotlight what Musquamacate has to offer in terms of food, shopping, um, and, and you know hotels and things like that. So if you liked this um, episode, please uh, subscribe on iTunes, uh, leave a comment, leave a review, uh, a rating. That really helps us get the word out and find more people. Um, you can like Musquamacate Beach on Facebook, uh, which should be easy to find because there's over 100,000 people currently that like it. Um, so uh, we'll have updates on there that Caswell will be posting about the show when it comes out. Um, it'll be a bi-weekly show. And if you don't like iTunes, you can get it um, on Google Play, on uh, in the Android store, obviously. Um Spotify, iHeartRadio, YouTube, um, and uh, the just the website. And we'll have links for all of that stuff. Um, thank you guys very much. And next time you come to Musquamica Beach, because if you're listening to this podcast, you probably come to Musquamica Beach or you're planning to, go outside of that state beach. Go explore outside that state, state beach. That's kind of the motto of this show that's the purpose of this show there is so much to discover in Musquamacate um and I'm really excited about uh giving everybody an opportunity to see what's out there cool thank you very much no problem thank you have a good one guys
For more information on the events and businesses in Musquamacut Beach, make sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and at Musquamacut.org.